In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The Gospel of the Lord.
on that last Sunday before Christmas and turned our attention to Christmas Eve worship and music and the pageant. This sacred season of Christmas continues for 12 days. There is one secular Christmas carol about that part, right? These 12 days align in some way with the time that passed between the birth of Christ and the visit of the Magi. The Magi and their star being the capstone of the greatest story ever told. So, we're halfway through. On this sixth day of Christmas, let's take a moment to talk about that greatest story and what we know of it. The story of the Incarnation is the heart and soul of our Christian faith. But where did we come by that story? Well, first of all, people who knew Jesus, or knew people who knew Jesus, wrote stories down about him, told stories about him. Some say that there may have been hundreds of Gospels at one point, first century stories recorded about Jesus of Nazareth. Now, over the years, four of them surfaced as the most complete and authentic narratives. And in the second century, they became our four canonical or official Gospels. Each of them treats Jesus' birth differently, but each does what they can to help us to know Jesus better. Now, when my friend Pam, who's the rector of Emmanuel Church in Boston, when Pam wants to know people better, she asks them this great question. She asks, so where were you born? And what's happened since? For the most part, the Gospel writers are trying to answer that question for us on Jesus' behalf. Where was he born? And what has happened since? Mark skips the nativity itself and begins with the story of Jesus' new birth at about age 30, his baptism by John in the Jordan River. It is Jesus' active ministry that matters most to this writer. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew wants us to know that Jesus' birth is connected to Adam and Eve, and that Jesus is a descendant of King David, from whom the Messiah was to arise. So he spends more words on the genealogy connecting Adam to David and David to Jesus than he does on the actual birth. But he does mention Jesus' birth. And then Matthew does what none of the other Gospel writers do. He brings us the magical story of the Magi from the East. Luke has no magic, but he does have a more elaborate story of Mary and Joseph and the angels that visited them, and Elizabeth and Zechariah and their angels, and of course the shepherds and more angels. Together, Matthew and Luke give us all the components a lot of the components, we made some more of them up. But most of the components of our Christmas pageant, a story that even the secular Christmas traditions and carols have drawn from. But today, today in the prologue of the Gospel of John, we have before us a story unlike all the others. The writer of the Gospel of John pans out wider and shows us that Jesus did not start in a river or in a manger. Jesus started before anything else 
started. John launches us into where Jesus began and what has happened since by starting before time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning there was Christ, and the Christ was with God, and the Christ was God. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The Greek word, Logos, used in the original Greek text of John, has traditionally been translated in English as the Word. But English doesn't actually have a word that adequately expresses the same thing as logos. Someone asked me, maybe at this time last year, if logos could be translated as a story. And I loved that. So I went looking and sifting through all the possible translations. And I didn't exactly find story. But I did find something that to me is quite similar. That is, if you see God as the author of all that is, which I do, logos can be translated as the utterance of God. The utterance of God. If the baby in the manger is the logos, the utterance of God, who was present since before time, was with God and was God, if that is who arrived in a manger, succumbing to the vulnerability being human so that we might have God dwelling with us and among us, well, that is a story that nothing, nothing of the secular Christmas can hold a candle to. When the Gospel of John chose to begin, not with Jesus' ministry, nor with Jesus' conception and birth, but with a chapter that precedes Genesis, John was giving us the gift of a wide-angle lens on the history and reality of love as the very first thing. The radio stations may have grown tired of our carols, and trees may have hit the dumpster too early, but nothing these humans can do can derail the divine utterance that has been with us since the beginning of time. Cannot derail that. It's too powerful. But we can choose to either ignore it or become a part of it. And we can choose to take advantage of this sacred time when the commercial world is all done with their secular holiday. And we can deceive ourselves in our sacred holy days for a bit longer undistracted by everything that is not divine utterance. And in the midst of these sacred days, we, humans, begin a new year. What if our New Year's resolutions this year have less to do with habits and more to do with logos? What if we all resolve to seek out the divine utterance in and around us and let it shine more brightly? John tells us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. I propose that we can reinvest in that light, that hope, that story, and that in doing so, divine utterance can and will 
have the last word. Jack, Edie, Kirsty, Ellie, 
prison for those who suffer from violence and war. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, grant us peace. Remembering with thanksgiving Joseph and Mary and all the saints, let us commend ourselves in one moment to the living God through Jesus Christ and Emmanuel. To you, O Lord our God. Son of God, child of Mary, born in a stable in Bethlehem, be born again in us this day that through us the world may know the wonder of your love. Lord, be always with you. Healing prayer is always open for everyone if you've got any sort of heaviness in your heart. 
Walk in love as Christ loves us and gave himself for us and offered in sacrifice to God.
acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country where with St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary and all your saints we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith.
eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world of peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. In the name of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We are one body, because we all share one bread, one cup. May Almighty God, who sent his Son to take our nature upon him, Bless you in this holy season. Scatter the darkness of sin and brighten your heart with the light of his holiness. May God, who sent his angels to proclaim the glad news of the Savior's birth, fill you with joy and make you heralds of the gospel. May God, who in the word made flesh, join heaven to earth and earth to heaven, give you his peace and favor. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you this day and always. <laughs> 